0: Hello everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Boy from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and how we should live and how we should make decisions. And when everyone disagrees, how do we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all of that information overload and actually choose what governs our lives? Well, we've been processing these things, and our leadership is praying for all of us, so we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Jeff, that, uh, that intro hasn't felt more true in a long time than what we're going to dig into today. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. Thank you. All right. Um, so uh, we are um, recording this... Um, Within a week of uh, the Roe v. Wade decision that came down uh, recently, and you're probably living under a rock if you don't know how much that conversation has dominated uh, almost everything for the last week. Yep. and um, And there's a lot going around that, Jeff. So why don't you couch a little bit? Where are we, right? just right now, kind of setting the table, where are we at as a church, and why are we going to discuss this today?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll do that, Joe, but I actually want to pray uh, that, before we that. do that. So if, if you're listening right now, I, I know you're listening to a recording, but maybe stop and pray with us, uh, and uh, I'd be grateful. So Jesus, uh, we want to come to this conversation with humility and, uh, and clarity, uh, but a lot of grace, Lord, and we are very aware that there are deep passions and deep sensitivities on both sides of, of this conversation, Lord, so the opportunity to be misunderstood, the opportunity to say a wrong thing or a wrong word or to inadvertently be callous to someone is so high and so, Jesus, if you would just guide our thoughts and guide our words, and even for those listening, if, if you would uh, even instill them with a, a graciousness and a discernment as we're trying to communicate back and forth with each other about something that has a lot of passion. So just help in all of that, and, uh, and go before us in this conversation. Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen. Uh, so where am I? Well, right now I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of a lot of my prayer. <laughs> the reason why I prayed was uh, I am extremely aware of the passions and the sensitivities on both sides of this coin. Um, I am very aware of the, uh, the ability to miscommunicate because <laughs> uh, I feel like I did I did a little bit of that this last week. And uh, and very, very aware that th- this issue shows up in people's lives in very personal ways. Oh, yeah. the, the Your position with pro-life or pro-choice as a broad category for, for most individuals doesn't mean what it means politically. Absolutely. So when someone says I'm pro-life, they're not necessarily lining up behind a political stance. Yep. Uh, when someone says I'm pro-choice, they're not... They're not doing that either. And so this, this uh, idea of throwing each other into like a political camp and then turning our ears off because you're in that political camp is why I want to take the the risk of trying to explore this issue, especially within the body of Christ. Yep. You know, I think that there are people who deeply love Jesus who are on both sides of this this discussion. Absolutely. And what happens when I say that is whatever camp you're in, when I say that you'll look at the other one and say that's impossible. <laughs> and what I have found is that most of the time that's because we're responding politically instead of personally mm. and that um, that person who's pro-choice probably does not believe everything that you think they believe, and that person who's pro-life probably does not believe everything that you think they believe. And so understanding or trying to get a hold of each other's hearts and minds and even understanding where we come from and even understanding what we believe and don't believe is just huge. And I'm just—you know, we run into the, this a lot in our culture today. Our, our culture is so uh, hyper-politicized mm-hmm. that— um, Will say certain words or certain phrases or even hold certain convictions and will accuse each other politically of that. My passion is that within the body of Christ, that is not our response, mm-hmm. that people get to think differently. Uh, if people say a phrase wrong or say a, a buzzword that they didn't know was a buzzword and that We're not quick to throw each other into these camps, but instead we're quick to listen Mm. and and quick to hear. And we all make mistakes. I feel like I've made mistakes many times over the years of being too quick to speak or too quick to jump or even categorizing people. And so it's kind of from that that I'm like, this is an issue that we have to be able to talk about. Uh, We have to seek God's heart and mind on and it's personal, so for for most people, what we need to hear is their story mm-hmm. and why they have come to the convictions they've come to, yep. and from there start the conversation. So that's what we're going to try to facilitate here on mixed messages. That's right.
0: Yeah. Um, well, with that, um, obviously, many people do see this as a political thing. I mean, mm-hmm. in some reason, in some ways. The whole reason this is even a a conversation right now is because something happened in the United States Supreme Court, which is a governmental institution. Um, Therefore, it has at least political ties. And so some might ask, why are we, quote unquote, jumping into this political conversation at all?
1: Yeah. I think this is where I miscommunicated. You know, in some ways this last week, I sent an email out and I... It's funny for me, this is so not a political issue that uh, I wrote an email that I never even crossed my mind it would be received politically. Hmm. And that's my fault and my responsibility and, and not being tuned into things. But the because this has been couched over our lifetime, so uh, Roe v. Wade is about 49 or 50 years old, I'm 51. <laughs> So I have never known in my life anything different than than Roe v. Wade. And I've only heard that... Or let me say that differently. I have primarily heard about it in a political context. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even a lot of times what was being taught in my church, it was a political context. And so it's natural that when you think about this or form a position on it, that you would go to the context that you've had the most conversations The conviction I've come to for many years, 30 plus years now, is that this is not a political issue. Uh, This is a spiritual issue. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a spiritual issue that was politicized. Sure. And so the, the deep challenge for us right now as Christians is to step out of our political camps and step into our spiritual life, letting Christ define and direct our thoughts about an issue, but probably first, letting Christ define and direct our thoughts about responding to each other. Yeah. And I know when I've made mistakes uh, communicating about this stuff, it's because I did not make it personal. Mm-hmm. I, I would make a blanket statement or say, everything is always this. And then an individual will come up and say, well, this is my story, Pastor Jeff, and, and I don't understand, and you kind of hurt me with that. And I, and, I, and I look and I realize that's right. I, I took something spiritual and processed it in a very public way and, and didn't hear that individual's story. Now, what's unique with me... At least, maybe you guys are like this too, or some of you. I respond that way to both sides. <laughs> so, uh, a pro-choice person yelling at me sounds like a, a pro-life person yelling at me. That's a little bit of my personality, and I've done the same thing to the other side. Sure. And I'm instead of looking at an indiv- looking at an individual and saying, "What led you to this deeply passionate belief?" Tell me your story. I've looked at them in essence and said, "I don't like the way you're handling that. I don't want to be associated with it." <laughs> so, in all of that, um, that's where the breakdown is going to be. And by the way, that's not just this. This is we've talked a lot about uh, race relations, sure, and, and yep. you and I, Joe, particularly, have worked a lot on that and mm-hmm. and have built. Uh, it helped to build a strong community in, in our area about that. It's something I'm really grateful for. But it was the same thing, not getting caught up in the buzzwords, and instead of looking at our friends who are different races and ethnicities, and saying, "Shouldn't we, as brothers and sisters, like start talking and start hearing and start figuring this stuff out?" Mm-hmm. So in that manner, Roe v. Wade is it is a political. Uh, judicial decision; it is not received that way. It, mm-hmm. It's it's not like the Supreme Court made a ruling on taxes. Right. <laughs> it it feels like they made a ruling about my life, and that feeling is equally true on both sides of the of the coin. If the body of Jesus, uh. Cannot be the ones that talk about that and love each other through it. Then, then there is no other group mm-hmm. that can do it. And so that's my heart with it: yeah. that, that we hear each other, love each other. Um, are we going to change each other's minds? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Sure. But do I look at a brother or sister and love them? Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of whether I agree with them i'm like, I'm like oh, it sounds like the basis of almost every relationship i have sure
0: we had a <clears throat> we were in a small group um, this week, and that heartbeat that you just communicated kind of came out toward the beginning of our conversation that kind of the last thing any of us wanted to talk about was abortion mm-hmm but if we, as a group of believers that know and love each other, can't have a meaningful dialogue about it, then where on earth could we ever? That's right. And we ended up an hour and a half later, like, hugging each other. And we were very diverse, I'll put it that way, in our perspectives. And it was, uh, it gave, honestly, it gave me a lot of hope moving yeah. forward with this kind of stuff. So thanks for kind of couching that.
1: And, and to me, that's... That's it. I have you know. We do this other podcast called The Intersection. And I do it with Bishop Johnson and Kent Boyden, and it's about race relations. And it drifts into theology. And if you know, if you know Bishop Johnson, who I call the smartest man on the planet, really seriously, uh, he, <laughs> he 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 drifts things. It's a lot of fun. But um, he always says, he says you can't do theology. Uh, you can only do theology with friends. Mm. And I would maybe steal his phrase a little bit and say, you can only do controversy with friends. Wow. You know, and so when something is controversial, you actually have to start with a, a position of love and trust and then disagree. And it's amazing what you learn. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing sometimes how people will change, you know, things will change your mind mm-hmm. and how they won't. Right. Um But if you can't walk out of there with a hug, then the whole point of the conversation probably failed a little bit, and that is my passion. I think a church has to be a place where individuals with individual stories and passions mesh their lives together. Yeah, that does not mean we have to function in in lockstep. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Grace Church is going to have a viewpoint. It's gonna be the official viewpoint of things. Um, That does not mean that you withhold love. It does not mean that you withhold grace or mercy or even friendship and relationship. Mm -hmm. But that's where our culture is right Mm -hmm. now. If you don't agree with me, I hate you. and Well, I hate you more, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanna get as far away from as possible with this issue and and all things. Sure,
0: and what you said there about a church is gonna have an official quote-unquote stance it's not just this. It's on right. plenty of things. And with almost, if not every one of those things, the people of the church aren't all on the same page with it either yet or ever. Because we our stories inform how we're navigating and discovering what all those things mean.
1: Right. And we're gonna we're gonna draw those things from the scripture. We didn't come to that politically. Right. We came to that through a spiritual conviction. And 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 one of the things that that really breaks my heart is that grace gets thrown into this big suburban right-wing thing. And I'm, and I would say like, you don't know the people of grace. Mm -hmm. That is, that is not the makeup of our congregation. No, It's not. You really don't know your pastor. (laughs) Uh, if, if you, if you think that that's my heart on it. And, um, the reason that's important to me is because it breaks down the the unity of the body, which is one of the strongest testimonies mm-hmm. that the church has. Yeah. And it's not because you're on a different position than I'm on; it's because we can't talk about it, mm-hmm. and we discount each other quickly. And so, and I I have been guilty. I this is I I don't mean this as a an accusation. I've done the same thing. Yep. And I have really had to learn, and I'd say the last uh, five, especially the last three years, COVID, that, man, people can vehemently disagree, and those thoughts are informed, they're intelligent, they're passionate, and they're personal, mm-hmm. and I can't always agree with you. Mm-hmm. And we can still love each other. Yep. And, and uh, I think even for our church family, if they heard some of the leadership conversations behind closed doors, where we're wrestling with something. Absolutely. But we come out in love, Mm -hmm. right, in the unity of love. And so that's my heartbeat with it, and uh, that's how I I hope that we can uh, approach this whole issue.
0: Sure. Well, speaking of this issue, uh, you mentioned that a lot of Uh, people's landing points, their convictions behind wherever they find themselves are often personal. They're often Mm -hmm. uh, passionate because something in their life has triggered them to be passionate about that particular point of view. Walk us through, because this isn't just us doing research. This is us having (laughs) dozens of conversations the last few days, let alone hundreds of conversations over our lifetime, talking with people and their unique stories. Where are some of these passions kind of landing that kind of collide in this issue?
1: If I was going to put these into two big categories, sure. right? So just for the sake of a podcast, um, I think that the two big categories that you, that you uh, miss each other in is this. Uh, on the pro-life side, there are people who are uh, pro-life generally would say, uh, I believe that a, the soul of a child is infused into their mother's womb when they are conceived. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that is a life. It's not simply a, a biological product of a pregnancy. That is a life, and that life was granted by God. There is a soul mm-hmm. that is there, And that life at that moment should be protected kind of at all cost. And someone who is pure in that view would take that all the way through um, uh, a post-born child. They would look and say, if a child has a disease, we should do everything we can do to cure that disease. If a child has a disability, we should do everything that we can do to support them and give them quality of life for that disability. Uh, if there's a life-saving procedure, we should figure out how to have that heart transplant. And at the end of life, it, uh, we, we should not euthanize mm-hmm. a human being uh, like we might an animal, but we should care for them, comfort them, and let them die naturally. So that's that's kind of a pure view. And they would have deep passions. Now, this is where the story comes in. Sometimes those deep passions are there because that person felt devalued. Mm. And so they're looking now at their children and saying, I I never want another human being to be dehumanized like I was dehumanized. Uh, sometimes they... Uh, cherish pregnancy, that they, they, they have not been able to get pregnant, and then they were able to get pregnant, and they're like, the, the thought that this would be withheld, right? Uh, sometimes those views are deeply held in Scripture. That's mm-hmm. where my views would come from. Like, sure. I, have, I, I have actual convictions about God's Word that inform all other convictions. So there, there's stories behind all that, but that's the general view. What I found with pro choice, pro choice folks generally are not arguing as much that you should be able to have an abortion whenever you feel like it and there's something inconvenient. That's, That's not actually what they're saying. No. What they're saying is I am a human being. Right. And I am a living human being. And this pregnancy affects my humanity. Sure, yep. And I believe often very strongly that the government should not demand that I use my body in a certain way. Yep. And they would believe that Roe v. Wade gave them a protection from that, that the government could not force them to do that. Yep. Yep. So oftentimes, I think what happens in a broad category is one group is talking about a baby. The other group is talking about their body. Mm-hmm. And these are actually different conversations, right? That this is my body and that's my choice. And the government in particular, no, no outside group should be mm-hmm. imposing on me what I can or cannot do with, with, um, with my body. Now, the stories behind that are often painful. Yeah. So I was abused as a child. I was raped. Um, I had a, a pregnancy that I medically couldn't fulfill, and they had to, quote, unquote, abort the child. Are you calling me a killer? mm mm-hmm. um, Uh, I I had uh, multiple. I had twins or triplets, and they had to take one or two. Are you saying I killed my other children? Mm -hmm. So there there are personal stories in there 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 that are full of pain, and and the idea that a choice or an option would be taken away from me like terrifies me. Sure almost regardless of what I would decide to choose or not choose, the fact that I don't have a choice is what terrifies me. So that's wh- that's kind of what I found is that those two positions, um, sometimes we're not even talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what we're talking about is, is how I felt used or abused, and I feel like... Um, Roe v. Wade being overturned is taking a tool away from me that I don't have an option for. On the flip side, on pro-life, a person saying, I value life, and uh, my mom didn't, decided not to abort me. Now look at me. Mm -hmm. And I see myself in all of these babies. So that's the gist of it in a very, very big way, and then it becomes personal. On both sides, there's like these uh, political folks, and and I'm, I'm not sure how much conversation can happen there, <laughs> um, but the vast majority of people, especially within our church, they're struggling, I think, more on these levels. And I think what we're doing, we're trying to do a little bit of a more of a mixed messages of trying to get some of those viewpoints and some of those stories in play. And I think that's so valuable because I think just instead of two guys sitting here and talking about this, like hearing those personal stories and hearing those positions, I think it helps us to understand each other a little bit more. Absolutely.
0: Um, we're, we're not done here yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but, what are some of those things that we're, we're hoping to get in front of people so that they can start to hear these stories as they kind of unfold?
1: You know, I, I would like for us, um, I think we're going we're gonna to hear from Connie. Mm-hmm. And Connie is a, a, a lady who, in a desperate moment in her life, decided to have an abortion, mm-hmm. to hear what led her to that decision, what she was thinking, and then how she views it in hindsight. Yep. I'd love to hear her story. I'm hoping that we're going to hear a story from a woman who was uh, sexually abused. Mm. And she never got pregnant, but what she would say is, if I didn't know I had an option, I don't know what I would have done with my own life. Right. At like The removal wow. of that option. And, and uh, the other thing that she told me I thought was so insightful, she said, at that time in my life, I didn't know Christ, so I didn't... I didn't have any other perspective. I had this thing that I was trying to achieve with my life mm-hmm. that a pregnancy would have prevented and I was going to lose my identity and be and and be trapped with my abuser's child. Right. It's awful. Yeah. And so I think I think hearing that is really really important. I would like us to get in um someone who is a kind of strongly pro-life. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear the medical discussion. Uh, I'd like to hear why they would look and say that that fertilized embryo is a life, and, and studies from Yale and Harvard and those kind of things that would say those kind of things. Like, hear that discussion all the way through so we have that information. And then if we can, uh, if we can I'd like to get somebody in who's pro-choice. And I'd like to hear in a conversational way, I'm, I'm not looking for political stances, nope. but in a conversational way, like, well, why is that your conviction? And walk us through that and tell us what you think. And so I'd like to use this platform to facilitate those conversations yeah. um, and, uh, and, and to hear the whole mix of it and to realize, I know this is so difficult for both sides mm-hmm. to hear, Um, to realize that within the body of Christ, there are those two positions. And that's hard to hear because one side would look and say, I think, I think Jeff Bogue just went liberal. Um, I didn't, don't worry. And the other side would say, I think he just went right wing and I didn't, don't worry. I'm trying to help the people of God hear each other because I, I think sometimes when we find each other's heart, we find Jesus's heart. And, and, uh, and we open ourselves up to allowing his his truth to inform us more.
0: That's great. Now, Jeff, you, you hinted earlier, and I'm not even sure it's really a secret, that you have a position and that Grace Church would have a kind of a formal position. And I want to ask kind of a two-sided question to this. Mm-hmm. What is that? And then how does that relationally and compassionately intersect with the other?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So I don't think it will surprise people that Grace Church is, is definitely on the pro-life side of this coin, and I mean that through the spectrum. So we believe that life begins at, the, at conception, that that soul enters that body, and that pregnancy is not simply a biological process, but it's a spiritual process where God is forming a child in that child's mother's womb and imprinting into that child uh, a desire to seek God, to know God, and also bonding that child to their their mother and ideally their father. Mm-hmm. We would then carry that pro-life view into adult or into uh, uh, after birth. Mm-hmm. Where we would look and say a child that has special needs is valuable, and we should bring the best of our resources Uh, A a child that has a disability is valuable, and we should serve and offer ourselves as a church to the parents. Um, I believe very strongly in adoption uh, and that uh, the church should be open to that. I believe very strongly that the church should be involved in the foster care uh, uh, services, which we are Mm -hmm. and as a Grace Church and all those things. So I don't believe that you should have the baby and deal with it. I believe that the church should walk with the child, the mother, the father, from conception through birth, through teenage, adulthood, all the way to death, mm-hmm. and that we should serve and love and help even in that process of death. So that is, that is my beliefs. My beliefs do not come from political points of view. No. And if you know me, you trust that. If you don't, I don't... And you don't. But, um, none of my beliefs are formed from political points of view. My political points of view are informed by my beliefs. And this is where I would hold so strongly that this issue is a spiritual issue, not a political one. So when I speak on it or have a conviction about it, um, you might be very surprised where I land politically. Uh, but this is an issue that I don't think you would be surprised at all where I land because I, I, I believe I draw those things from the scripture and I believe that the the church should love and help and protect all the way through that. So that's our view. I don't think that view um, in the greater body of Christ is always well represented. Mm-hmm. I think that we often will, um, kind of beat the table on abortion and then ignore the poverty and the pain in our own communities. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm grateful that Grace Church has a heart for is all of it. So I know that we can't do everything, but I know that we care about everyone. Mm-hmm. And we involve ourselves in the painful parts of our community and we involve ourselves in the needs of the world. And, and uh, that all stems from this base conviction that all life is valuable.
0: Yeah. Thanks for articulating that. And I, I think you're right. I think there are plenty that would at least quickly say they agree with that, but then the outplay doesn't always play out in an honorable way. We're doing what we can to engage mm-hmm. those things. So how then do, do you—how um, then does someone that kind of just said, yeah, that's that's how I think— intersect with maybe someone that's listening. That's not how I think, Jeff. Like, how how do we start to interact with then a a, a different
1: point of view? Well, it's interesting. If we can talk, what happens is we wind up agreeing on more things than we disagree with. I find this a lot. Mm. So if someone is pro-choice, for instance, this is one example. So I know this is incomplete, but... Uh, if someone's pro-choice and their pro their position is defined by I don't think that the government should be able to tell me what to do with my body, I completely agree with you. Yep. Um, if if the uh, if your position is I don't think the government should define my morality, I also completely agree with you. Yep and And I think, for the church, like understanding that we we often view things more closely than we think that we do. We've just dismissed each other by making things political, yeah um I get this a lot during election season. Are you a Republican, are you a Democrat? And I always say, I'm a citizen of a different kingdom <laughs> yep. You know, so there's a lot of issues that I refuse to give energy or attention to. Um, Spiritual issues are not political for me. So if we can get out of those political realms and get into these spiritual realms, uh, I think in many ways uh, what you believe and what you think, you can look and say, well, the, the scripture informs this this way or informs it this way. And if we get to where we actually understand each other and we start to let Scripture inform that, then instead of looking at someone and saying, I hate your guts because you're pro-choice or I hate your guts because you're pro-life, I start to look at a brother or sister and say, I want to bear that burden with you. I want to help you. Mm -hmm. I also think that the church has to step in and be radical. You know, one of the things that the early church was known for in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire practiced something called exposure. Mm-hmm. So f- women were totally devalued. If you had a, especially a female baby, they would leave that baby outside for three to five days. If it lived, they would take it as their child. If it died, then it was just meant to be. So the early church was known for going and taking those children <laughs> and owning them and raising them and loving them. I think there's some radical things that the church should do. Mm. You know, Heidi and I have—we uh, looked at a couple one time. She was going to abort, and we said, "We'll take the baby." Right um, now, she didn't. She's glad that she didn't. But I'm like, I, I'm like, if I'm going to believe this, I need to, I need to step up. Yeah. In that way, I think our involvement in the foster care system. Um, our our involvement in stuff that we do with drug rehabs, our involvement with stuff that we do with sex trafficking, our involvement with famine relief, our involvement in education—like these are all things that Grace Church does. Um, I'm like, yeah, we we need to. If we're gonna have this conviction, we need to act on that conviction. Mm-hmm. And I think when we act on that conviction in love, it sends a very strong. It's not defending ourselves. No, it's a strong message of. It, it's okay if we disagree. I think that's a big part of it. And then I think we've kind of been saying this. I think another big part of it is respectful conversations. Like, hear each other's stories. Please, please don't discount each other. Please don't throw each other into political camps. I I hate it when mm-hmm. I get thrown into the mega suburban evangelical pastor. Yeah. And and therefore, everything I say pa- past that is shut down. So I know what that feels like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure that every listener knows what that feels like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're like, I didn't even get to share my heart. You won't even listen to me. So don't be that person. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? Like, as simple as, like, I'm not going to be that person that dismisses you. I'm going to hear your thoughts, draw it out, walk you through it. Um i i can't ever i can't ever see a way that I move off of my conviction yeah that means i'm not threatened by a conversation <laughs> you know i talk, we talked about my our, our friend Bishop Johnson. We have very very different different theological positions sure we talk about him all the time he's never changed my mind once mm-hmm. and i love I give my life for that man I yeah. love him so much. And he would do that for me sometimes we're like so afraid then i I would actually look and say, then you don't understand your own conviction mm-hmm. yep so root yourself and then have the conversation and like you said earlier, above all else, end it with a hug <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know, and especially within the church mm-hmm. yeah and there's a thousand and other Things, Joe, and, and I'm sure we'll investigate some of those. And I'm sure our listeners have their own ideas. I, I don't mean that exhaustively at all, but live your conviction. Don't just verbalize it. Yeah,
0: that's really good. Well, this is a conversation, as we've mentioned. It's not, um, <laughs> this episode is about to end here, but this conversation is not ending here. And that goes a couple ways. One, there will be more episodes in the near future that engage this conversation from different perspectives and different stories. But secondarily, keep the conversations going and and approach those with, Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love him and to love others. If we can approach those conversations with that in mind, we might find fruit that's being born out of them as opposed to more contentiousness. So really, as we continue forward, let's have those conversations And reach out to your church leadership. If you have thoughts, convictions, questions, reach out. If you're a part of the Grace Church family, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. We want to engage and love each other that way. If you have questions that you'd like submitted, maybe they're directly around this or something else, you can always submit those at bath.gracechurches.org slash messages And again, if we can help in any way, if there's pain that you're walking through that you need healing from, if there's confusion that we can help you step through, reach out, let us know. We would love to journey that part of life together. Um, If you would like to join us on the weekend, you can always do that in person or online. But uh, we're just very grateful that you would listen and engage this with us today. So thank you for jumping in with us as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. See you next time.